Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. <clears throat> hey, today okay. we have the pleasure of talking with another archer about his fantastic journey and and I can see kind of his background. He's got a lot of mounts on the wall. So I bet he's got some exciting <laughs> uh, stories to tell us. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm your host today on Archstock 101. And we have a special guest on the, the line here. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little something about yourself. All right. Well, my name's Cully Redding, uh, AKA I just started a project that we call, that we're calling the bow hunting butcher. And, uh, and, you know, one of the things that I like to I like to say is I get to love my family by choice. I get to get to work in a passion that God gave me, uh, which is cutting meat and wild game butchery. And I get to bow hunt by the grace of God. So so that's that's kind of me. You know, I, I love to cut meat. I love to bow hunt um, and and just just have a good time with it. And. I'm about to retire from my my everyday job and and just go into the bow hunting butcher full time. I got about three more years, so I got to build up a little bit of a clientele and and get things going. So, yeah, it's a you know build up a little clientele, you know, because it's it's nice if you have somebody that knows how to butcher the the deer uh, or whatever other animal you have, and you know it's I always like to do it myself because then I know exactly what I have for cuts. But it took me a while to figure out how to do it, and, you know, kind of the shortcuts and. And, you know, that's that's right. always nice when you get somebody that you trust that you get your meat back. And I've taken to some of the manu the processing places and you're not even sure you're getting your own meat back because they just bring you out a bag of meat. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and they're just, you know, I go in there and during rifle season, you see the deer hanging up in there and some of the meat's green and, you know, who knows what it's like. And, you know, are they cutting that green stuff out? Are they throwing it away? And um, are they get mixing it in with everything else? And. Yeah, I just take it somebody well, you one can of, trust. One of my main goals is is I actually want to go live at times, and I want to actually teach the process of of processing deer um, from start to finish, everything from from shooting them to to gutting them, skinning them, and how to break down a carcass one hundred percent. And then I also want to share some recipes with folks. On how to how to cook it, you know. I want to focus on center of the plate, and uh, and try to try to incorporate some different things that that make venison the best meat that you could possibly put on the center of the plate. Yeah. And uh, you know, one of one of the things that that I see wrong with the hunting industry right now is it costs a lot of money to hunt. And uh, yeah, you know, whenever you have to take whenever you have to take a deer to get it processed and you're looking at anywhere from 200 to $600 to have a deer processed and you can do it at home for 20, 20 bucks, you know, that, yeah. that makes a big difference. And that could get more people into the woods and more, more bows in people's hands and, and, and keep our sport going a little bit longer than, than maybe it will if we don't do anything. Yeah. Your, your audio is breaking up a little bit. I don't know what's going on with it. Maybe you can see if you can, it's almost like it's not picking you up real well. Maybe my location here. Uh, tell you what, let me walk outside and see what we can get going. 
Oh. Usually I have a little <laughs> bit better reception outside. Oh yeah, if you don't have good reception, the, the audio seems to kind of go and the video will start, you know, going in and out. And <laughs> Is that any better there? Yeah, uh, not, not sure. The, the video is a little better. Still not any better. <laughs> uh, it it's, uh, sounds know. like. It, yeah, well, we'll we'll try. But anyway, yeah, that's um, you know fixing fixing meat. You know, it took took us a while to figure out you know how to cook it and you know what ways to cook it that was actually good. And you know, you don't cook it like a regular steak because it's going to be tough and nasty and um you know you don't want all that fat in there that's oh, one for thing sure. you want to do you know get that fat out of there i can tell the difference between ground that comes from a butcher and my ground the ground from the butcher stinks and smells when you cook it mine doesn't because right. i cut all the fat off i cut all the tendons up you know the tendons the all the the membranes is all out of there so it's you know pretty much pure meat and you know, there, there's a whole lot difference. And you know, people say, you know, venison is gamey. Well, if you try and eat the fat, it's going to be. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, that's one, that's one of the things I want to show people is, is venison doesn't have to be gamey. It doesn't have to be, have that wild taste. Um, and it, it basically all begins from, from after the shot. You know, you want to you get the, you want to get them clean and you want to get them cold as quick as you possibly can. Right. And, uh, and then if you do that and take your time actually processing your meat, you will, you will have a much better eating experience. So, you know, <laughs> that, that's part of my, part of my total mission is to, is to teach people how to do this so they don't have to take it to a butcher. And like you were saying earlier, you know, you never, you never know what you're going to get back from, from some of the shops. Um, one of the things that I'm going to do in my shop is I'm actually going to, make videos of each individual deer while I cut it from start to finish and share that with the customers as they come in. So that way they know 100% they're getting their animal back. Yeah. And now that is a good teaching tool. It, right. You know, that's, you know, here's, here's how to do it. And it's, I, I've seen people take, when they get ready to gut the deer, they take that knife, they just jam it into the belly and just start slicing up and down. And, and it's like, <laughs> Okay, you got gut piles all over, and it's like no, <laughs> it's all over the meat and everything else. Uh, for sure, for sure. Oh yeah, it's we we get you know my my brother started doing this like them. He takes and flays the skin back with a flay knife. He takes a flay knife as well mm -hmm. as a hunting knife, and you go in there, you just cut to the skin and start cutting it all the way back, and, and now before you even break into the membrane, and right. then just barely go in and just slice the membrane so you don't cut anything in there. You know, it's bad enough we you stick an arrow through it and cut the stuff. Yeah. You know, the last <laughs> thing we do is nick the bladder and have the bladder all over. So now you peed all over your mouth or, or you're right. all over your meat. And, right. and now then the best cut of the meat is right there where you're going to contaminate it. Yes. And, you know, it, one of the tricks that um, we kind of come by by accident one time is, you know, the, the deer was kind of all covered with gunk. So we got back to... Uh, guys hunting with house and we just hose it down to get all the gunk off the off the deer and that hide peeled off so nice like, yes whoa okay so we and start hosing them down after that right and it actually helps to keep hair off the meat because the hair 
once it becomes wet, it sticks to the hide a little bit better than, than it does yeah. dry. And you cut through dry hair, you know, it falls all over the place. When you cut through wet hair, it kind of sticks to where it's supposed to stick. Yeah. And that, that too, when you get ready to cut the hide off, you want to go in and just poke the hole and go underneath the hide. The, the zippers are nice because they cut from underneath and you're right. cutting all those hairs and, you know, little tricks that you learn after years of, okay, I got hair all over this meat. How am I going to get all this off? And, and so then you figure out a little bit better how to do it. And, and right. you know, I, I debone everything, you know, separate the muscle groups out, pull as much tendon off as I can. And, you know, you know I've gotten some of the mixes and, and made different different recipes and stuff. I made pepperoni sticks one time and and I didn't put them in the skins. I just had the shooter just stuck them out on a plastic paper and then stuck them in a the freezer and froze them. And right. then from there I could stick them in a deep freeze and 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 they're froze. And you know, they're not all sticking together as long as you don't put it in a regular refrigerator freezer, <laughs> you'll be all right. For sure. So so Let's talk a little archery. Yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> how did how did you get started in archery? Well, you know, I, I was a little late in life getting started. I didn't start until I was sixteen years old. Um, it was kind of a funny story, you know. My dad and I, we were in town, and my dad always worked on leather, and uh, yeah, we went to a, a man's leather shop, and he just happened to be a bow dealer, and. Uh, my uncle, who is probably the best bow hunter that I know, was always a bow hunter, and I wanted to get into it. And and we were in there, and the I was looking at the bows, and my birthday was coming up. And my dad said, you want one of those? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, if you can take that bow and hit a bullseye your very first shot, I'll buy you a bow for your birthday. Well, I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing, and I... <laughs> this is over, you know, but I'm going to give it a try. And, and the guy fixed it up for me and I, I drew and he kind of walked me through a few little pointers and, and whatnot. And I'll be dang if I didn't hit the bullseye and he was stuck to it. Then I made, I made him buy me a bow after that. <laughs> yeah. And I fell in love with it, man. I, I got into it. I had a rough go as a bow hunter starting out. You know, I went for I went for several years without killing a deer with a bow. Um, I would typically shoot over their back. It took me a little while to learn that they they're gonna they're gonna jump the string a little bit, especially back in the '80s when bows had a pretty good twang to them, and uh, yeah, and they were they were they were nowhere near as fast as what they are now. But uh, finally, you know, I, I got it done and I fell in love with it, and I haven't. I haven't touched a rifle to hunt with in over 25 years. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was, it's one of the best things in my life. Uh, love it. I, I just absolutely love getting out there and, and hunting with a bow and, and traveling. I travel, I don't travel too much out of the state of Texas, but I do travel all over the state and, and hunt rams, uh, some of the Texas Ram Slam, according to the, to the, uh, oh man, records of exotics. Almost forgot what I was going to say there. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I don't know if you, whenever I was in the house, I shot one of the biggest, I shot the biggest archery kill axis deer in 2017 and uh, shot it with bow. That was, that was a fantastic hunt for me. Um, Took me nine weeks to kill that critter. 
but it was worth every, every yeah it, and i i learned a tremendous amount on that deer and uh and what i ended up doing is kind of a funny story whenever i i booked the hunt with the guy and i told him i said i that's that's the access deer that i want and uh i said I don't know exactly when I'm going to be able to hunt. Do you, do you have a problem with me just coming and hunting whenever I can? He said, no, not at all. So I've moved pop-ups around all over his property, trying to get on that, trying to get on him. And uh, every evening when I would pull up, he was standing next to a great big water system that was empty. It was an empty water system, rock. And uh, I asked him, I said, would you mind if I brought a rock saw out here and cut a hole in that, in that cistern? And I, I'll repair it whenever I'm done. And he said, yeah, if, you, if you'll fix it whenever you're done, you can go ahead. So I went and got a rock saw, cut a hole out in this thing. I crawled in it. I had to get a ladder, crawl over top, crawl down in it. And on the third hunt inside that water cistern, he walked, he walked up, gave me a 20-yard shot, and I was <laughs> able to put it on. And <laughs> then the work was on. <laughs> Not only yeah. did I take, take care of the deer and and get all that done. Then I had to go back and fix the water cistern and, and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. So, so yeah, that, that was, that was a fantastic hunt. A lot of fun, a lot of work. I walked more miles probably that year than I've ever walked in my life. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of work to, to get a deer in, but you know what, it, it it's a great story, great memory. And <laughs> you know, the, the meat comes and goes, but the story stays with you. Right, right. You know, that's talking about that. That's one of the biggest things. I'll be sitting in the, in the game room at night and my wife will ask me, I, I'll just kind of be gazing around at the mounts on the wall and, and she'll ask me, what, what are you doing? And uh, I can remember every detail of every hunt that I've ever harvested a deer on. And, uh, and I, I sometimes I just sit there and relive relive every single hunt that, that I've ever been on and every single shot and whether they were great shots or whether they were horrible shots you know <laughs> yeah we all remember <laughs> the good ones and the bad ones <laughs> right and uh I don't know it's, it's something that everybody needs to experience I think you know yeah that's there's there's so many stories out there and, and that's that's what I like about talking to you know all the archers you know from all over the world you know about their their adventures and and the stories and and I always learn something on every episode. You know, somebody's always got something that I didn't remember or didn't realize, and and you know, and I hope that you know whoever I'm talking to learns something as well. And you know, it depends on what we get into. You know, there's all kinds of things we get into, and um, you know, my my listeners they they know we talk about all kinds of subjects, and right, you know, it's. Yeah, and that's that's it. It's not there's not really a fixed format. We start archery and you know, we get into whatever we need to. And you know, the the one thing that a lot of archers, you know, they might get the deer, but what do I do once I kill it? You right. know, that's that's kind of the the thing that you know a lot of them don't know. And if you don't take care of it right, like you, you mentioned earlier, you know, get get it cold as quick as you can. And, right. Get it, you know, get it cold. Get but. it cold, get it gutted and yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know, I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. Archery, bow hunting and archery both can be very expensive, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. 
you know. Um, no. You know, and I, I talk to people all the time. Um, I had a I had a good friend of mine. His son was wanting to get into archery, and and I don't know if I should give this plug or not, but but he called me one day and he said, "Look," he said, "I, I don't want to spend a ton of money." And I said, well, let's look for you a used bow. And he said, well, we're kind of impatient. And I said, you know what? I said, over at Academy, I saw that they had a bow, a youth bow, a beginner's bow. And I think it was $100. And why don't we go over there and look at it? And we went over there. He bought the bow. The kid can shoot a bow like no one I've ever seen before that just started out. I mean, within 15 minutes, we had, we had him driving tacks. And uh, oh. <laughs> and. He he fell in love with archery. He hasn't bow hunted yet. Um, I don't know why. Uh, every time I try to get him to come out here and go bow hunting with me, he's a, he's a football player now, and uh, and so I'm sure his football schedule keeps him from being able to come out and bow hunt with me and and all that stuff. <laughs> Eventually, I'll get him out. But you know, a uh, hundred dollar bill, and I think I think he spent twenty something dollars on some arrows, and uh, and we had him ready to go, and. Uh, you know, I'm not one of the big guys that has to go spend $10,000 on a deer stand. You know, I, I'll take some old plywood and I'll, I'll nail it up to some trees if I need to, or, or you know, brush in a blind somehow. And, you know, you can be successful if you're willing to put the amount of effort in that needs to be right. put in. And, uh, you know, sometimes you know, sometimes some guys go out and they pop up a pop up in 15 minutes and they call it done. And whenever I go to put up a blind, I got to plan. I got to plan a whole weekend just to put up one deer stand <laughs> and, and trying to get people to understand that and understand that they don't have to spend a tremendous amount of money to go bow hunting and enjoy the things that we enjoy. Um, that's something that I think that we as archers and we as bow hunters need to do need to do. Yeah, you don't need to spend a lot of money on on tree stands. You you know, ladder stand is nice and easy, but you know, not a little more heavy, you know, weight as far as carrying them in. But you can use the hang on, put the screw in steps or the strap on steps, and and get in there. And and as long as you know how to safely put it up and get in and out of it, have your safety harness on, and you know, you don't you don't need to spend a lot of money. And and you know, my hunting bow is a two thousand one PSE. Uh, right. My other target bow is a 2003 PSE. Um, <laughs> and when I was working at Cabela's, I managed to get one of their return bows. Um, I think it's probably about six years old now. But I, ha I, I had to do some work on it because it had some problems because it was returned, you know, needed string and other things. And hadn't even put a rest on it yet. But, you <laughs> know, I, I hunt with a, well, it's a 22-year-old bow. <laughs> right. Right. I, I can tell you, I trade bows about every 10 years. Um, right now I'm shooting a Hoyt RX3. Uh, went into the archery shop. I fell in love with that bow. It just felt so good in my hands. I had to get it. And then now I kick myself in the butt because I went and bought my daughter. My daughter is into bow hunting. She absolutely loves it. She's probably a better bow hunter than I am, but she wanted to upgrade her bow. So we went and got her a Hoyt Torex for half the price. And I shoot that Torex better than I shoot my $2,000 <laughs> RX3. And it's the craziest thing, you know. And it, again, like I said, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to break the bank to be able to do this. You don't have to break the bank to be able to, to 
get into this thing that that all of us love you know every hopefully everybody that's watching this is either interested in it or already is in love with it and and this is what drives them to go through go through their their years yeah i, I know when i have my store you know i i would somebody come in looking to get a bow i'd put them into the nova bow the psc nova because i was a, a psc dealer and, and you know, that one i had them set up so they had they had to get nothing except something to shoot at because I'm, I made my kits because at that time you could go to other stores. I think Walmart sold them and other places sold them, you know, the same Nova bow, but it was not put together. Uh, it, it was, and you got just the bow. Well, all right. mine were put up and set up. Um, and then not only that, but I give you six arrows with my kit and I give you a release and you got a sling and a stabilizer, and I got my string dampeners on it, and it's all set up plus shooting instruction. So nobody could price compare because, right. yeah, you might save $40 or $50 on the bow, but you bring it in, I'm going to charge you $40 to set it up yeah. at that time. You know, so I even had one guy decide to return it because he's asking, you know, call him up and says, hey, you think I could I'd put them on? I said, you can mount them on. They're not going to be right. You don't, you right. don't know how to set them up. I'll charge you $40 to set them up correctly. And if you want shooting instruction, that's $100 an hour. Now, that's all included with my bow. So I'm going to take it back. I'm going to buy it for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the, the extra stuff that you give with them and, and you don't have to spend a lot. And those were like $350 bows. Right. Everything. Uh, right. You didn't have a case. I didn't carry cases because Walmart sold them for $5 more than I could buy them for. So I couldn't match their price, but if high ends, I do. But you just need a case, you know, and those like 20 bucks at the time, you know, for so sure. for under $400, you know, this, of course, this was 20 years ago, you got everything you needed to hunt. Right. And, you know, I, I, think about, I think about that all the time. You know, I shot a PSE. My very first bow was a PSE. I want it. I can't even remember what, it, if it was a fire or something or a storm. Oh, or something. Yes, fire that flight. was it. And uh, that was my very first bow. Um and like I said, you know, you shot it and it almost sounded like you were playing the guitar. Um, and and I, don't, I don't even know if it broke 200 feet per second. But once I started killing deer with it, it was it was a, a bow that killed deer. And right. and you think about it now, you know, I, my dad paid I want to say he paid three hundred fifty dollars for that bow. Um, yeah, I got it for my 16th birthday. I, I opted a new bow over a hand-me-down truck. So I got the hand-me-down truck and a, and a new bow. Um, <laughs> but That's a fair trade. <laughs> right. I, I take it today still. Um, but like I, like I mentioned before, it was the effort that I put into it and, and the effort of actually – learning how to bow hunt, learning where shot placement was, where to aim, um, learning how to be quiet. For one thing, you know, right. it goes back, I wouldn't even dream, I wouldn't even hardly dream of taking over a 15 yard shot back then. Now I don't even like to take a 20 yard shot, but, but, uh, or anything beyond 20 yards, I should say, not a 20 yard shot, but, you know, it, and hunting back then made me a better hunter today, obviously, because we right. did have to right and 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 you know it's just a big part of who i am you know and like i said you know i got to hunt with my uncle 
and uh, he helped me set everything up. He helped me, he helped me learn how to shoot a bow. Um, and uh, he, well, I, I can tell you he's this year, he's got some pictures of 170 inch deer. It's going to be his first true bone Boone and Crockett deer that he takes with a bow this year. He's 60, 64 years old, but he has, I, I'm, I'm going to say he's got 25 deer that are Pope and Young class deer. And uh, I learned, I learned a tremendous amount from him as, as we were coming up, we hunted together and, and he was a part of every deer that I killed. And uh, I, I couldn't have done it without him. But, you know, and, and kind of, you know, I think back on him and the way that I was with him. And that's kind of the way that I would love to be with some of the, some of the people who are trying to get started so that we can work together and, and, and teach them how, how to bow hunt, how to, how to shoot for one thing. A lot of people, right. you know, they, they grab their bow, they walk out and they get mad whenever they can't hit the target. And there's so many things that do wrong, you know, you see them with a death grip on their, on their bow hand and, and they, they'll anchor by their eye one time and by their ear the next time and on their chin the third time. And, and they wonder why they can't hit a target. And, uh, and you know, that, that's some of the things that, that I look forward to as I move through this bow hunting butcher is working with people so that, so that we can keep promoting the sport. Right. Yeah. That, you know, you mentioned death grip. That's one, one way to derail your bow when you get ready to let down. Because right. you've torqued it. You got that death grip on it and now you've torqued it and you let down you, and right off the, the cams it comes and it's like, oh, it scares you and, you know, or, or hitting your arm because you got that death grip, you're going to put that arm in the way. And, and there's just so many, so many things. And, you know, those using the, the uh, wrist strap, you know, I just tell them, it's like, if I, if, you know, I start talking to somebody that I found out they're an archer and I ask them if they're using a, a release and it, they say, yeah, it's like, well, I'll give you first lesson free, quit pulling the trigger. <laughs> that's your first free lesson quit pulling the trigger and so i look like it's like what well how do you yeah <laughs> no i have i I can tell you why <laughs> oh uh i thought you were talking about a wrist strap funny story i was in an archery shop one day and uh, i was looking at some bows and there was a new flagship bow that was out and uh guy was trying to sell it to me obviously and he said man i'll set this up for you and i didn't even think about him putting a wrist strap on a bow sling and uh and uh anyway i drew that bow back and and i released and whenever i released i, I wasn't thinking about not having a bow sling on i don't grip my bow at all usually i don't even put my fingers around it and that bow yeah. and it back then this was probably 20 15 20 years ago and, oh yeah uh, they jumped <laughs> So it was, it was a big price bow, you know, and it shot out of my hand and it bounced all the way down that lane. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to buy this bow now. <laughs> no matter what. And uh, and it's still I, I today I can't shoot without a bow swing on because the bow. Well, the bows now they don't have quite the same recoil that they used right. to have. But. I don't want to take a chance on it. You know, I couldn't imagine being 20 foot up in a tree and release my bow and it flies out of my hand and because I don't have a bow swing on and there goes my bow, it busts all into pieces. Once it hits the ground, that would be horrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. If I don't have a sling, uh, I was actually shooting a bow one time. and didn't even think about like you, I didn't drop it. You know, my hands, went, I felt it hit my, my fingers like, Oh shit. <laughs> it's not supposed to, it's not supposed to do that. 
it's just it's shifted you know from the back of my hand to the front of my hand and yeah i didn't drop it but oh man i'm i almost did you know <laughs> it's crazy things so so you're you're uh, you were given lessons and stuff listen i'm curious to hear a little bit about your practice sessions or your workout sessions you know what what do you do to to stay tuned your your body your mind everything else well one of the things you got is is shoot and one of the things that i found over over the years that you know even though you might want to shoot you 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 know i've even driven down to the range and shot my bow shot a round of it it's like not working quit you know i shot five or ten arrows that that whole time and, and i quit i was done because that just wasn't feeling right you know, now if I had a tournament, I'd have had to kind of, you know, refocus and, you know, get mental attitude going. But, um, you know, w when you're, when you're shooting, don't you, you go through your drop process, everything exactly the same every time. You know, if I have, I have a, a sling that I put the bottom limb in when I'm hunting, well, I use that on, on my rig as well. So I have that holding in there. I put my hand in there. I do the same thing with my hand every time I draw back. And, you know, when I was learning, make sure it's okay, I'd look at the level, make sure the bow's level, but I never look at it again. Now, right. you know, I, I have that muscle memory. I know the bow is level. Now, if I'm on a 3D course and I'm standing on the side of a hill, I'm going to glance at that level because, I, you know, I might have to lean back or lean forward or up or down and remember that your form is your form standing perfect in a perfect position when you need to shoot a different disc, you know, shorter or longer. You have to bend at the waist down or up or twist. You know, if you can't move your feet, you know, like you're on a tree stand, you can only move so far, you might have to bend your waist. And, but that's still your form and you still have to follow through. And, you know, like you, like you do and I do, so don't grip your bow. It'll right. do the same thing every time if you don't interfere with it. You know, you see some people that, well, curl your fingers on the side of the bow. No, don't do that. That. What that does is it forces your hand to be in the correct position, but now you're putting pressure on there because in the process on your hand, we learn a lot of this kind of technique and, and joint manipulation and, and control, you know, in martial arts. You know, I did that for 20 plus years. But if you make curl those fingers in, what do you have to? You have to use muscles to curl those fingers in. And now if you put your hand, you know, finger on, on the two meaty parts of your hand by where it meets the wrist, and you start making a fist, curling them in, that changes that muscle. Or if it's right. just relaxed, it, it's all relaxed, nothing's changing there. And, you know, I'll go through and, and you know, when I'm helping someone, I'm just like, you know, if you have somebody with you, hold your arm up to the side with a slight little bend like you're shooting your bow and have them push right on that part, you know, like your lifeline where it meets your wrist in between the two meaty parts between your, attached to your little finger and your thumb. Push mm -hmm. on that part. And if you push on that part, you're going to push them over. Now, put the pressure over on the side by the little finger and push. What's it do? Your wrist wants to twist. You're not going to put as much power in it. Same thing if you do it on your thumb. Uh, same thing if you're trying to do, you know, the one thing for a while was a high wrist where your wrist is just locked out straight, you know, so that you don't, there's not bent at all. And, and, you know, you can't be consistent with that. And, it's just all those things I go through. I make sure I do the same process every time, get to my anchor point, make sure I have, depending on which release I'm using is which part of my hand anchors, but I don't care because I have a kisser button and my nose and my peep. 
Right. So as long as it's touching my nose, I have the kisser button corner of my mouth, and I can see through the peep and see my sights, that's all lined up. You know, some say, well, you have to have a different anchor point for your handheld release. Then you do your wrist strap. No. Right. You don't have to. What part of your hand anchors to your that part of your face is going to change because as you as you do it from from having into the trigger release to turning your hand over, it's going to touch a different part of your face, but nothing changes on your anchor point. Right. I shoot both of them with back tension release. I can switch between them. No big deal. I don't think it's with the wrist strap on it. It's it's kind of a pain to grab my my handheld, but <laughs> you know that. And, and a lot of people call them a thumb release. You know, there's the thumb releases with have a thumb trigger, and then there's back tension ones only through back tension by rolling your hand back. You know, right. using the back tension with a little fire. Um, it's they call it a thumb release, but you don't use your thumb to fire it. Right. That that's that's the thing. I, I don't know which type you use. But you'll see a lot of people they'll 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 use the thumb and actually pull the trigger with their thumb, right? Instead of rolling it back to their thumb and letting it surprise them whenever it goes off. Yeah, well, it's it's like you take index finger has a lot of dexterity. Your thumb doesn't. So now you're going to trade a, a finger that has dexterity to one that doesn't to try and pull the trigger. Right. And if you're pulling the trigger, you will at some point develop trigger, uh, you know, target panic. Right. If you're not pulling the trigger, you're not going to have target panic. That's just that makes- if you got target panic, quit pulling the trigger because it'll stop because you're you're going through that process of firing. And and what happens on a on a target panic is you're looking at the pins. <laughs> Excuse me. You're looking at the pins. You see it move across the target. And it's it's floating around, and it's gonna say, "Okay, pull the trigger." That moves up. Oh, don't shoot! And that that's right. your target panic. It's when your mind says, "Don't shoot." Your pin's not on there because you look at the target, ignore the pins. You put it over your target. It's gonna float. Nobody's right. gonna hold it perfectly still. I don't care if you right. got a twenty foot stabilizer with, you know, fifteen foot counter stabilizers. You're still not holding it still because you're not gonna hold it up very long. You just can't right. hold the weight. You know, right. so you're going to have some movement in there. Of course, those longer stabilizers do help a lot, but I'm a bow hunter. So mine is, you know, 12 inches or less. Um, right. Just because I don't want that great big one. It gets in the way. You know, so right. I don't have a long one. Good. Here, so I, <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard enough sometimes getting your bow around all the limbs without having another two foot sticking out in front of you. <laughs> You know, anything longer than your arrow is is going to be in the way. And right. it's, it's hard enough getting the arrow in there, you know. And Absolutely. so when when you go through your shot process, you got to make sure you're using those back muscles and come come back. I've seen people using back tension release. The arrow goes off. Wait, wait, wait. Now the arm goes back. Okay, that's not what it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to go back, but it's not supposed to go back a few seconds later. It's supposed to be right. in the process going back. Now right. my end, my arm don't go flying back because it it's, it it comes back, but it doesn't just fly back. Uh, maybe if I shoot ninety pounds, like one guy I met when I was down at PSC at the dealer school, he was he was in there practicing shooting ninety pounds on on one of the PSC bows, and this guy was watching him. Also, he's getting closer and closer to watch him, and all of a sudden he shot and he smacked this guy in the head. <laughs> he got a little too close. <laughs> and and shooting ninety pounds, when that hand goes back, it comes back with some force. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. They they can have all that heavy weight 
I don't shoot. I don't shoot heavyweights anymore. Um, you know, of course, at times everyone gets into that, you know, and they, they want that fast, blazing fast arrow. I was shooting 70 pounds. My practice sessions weren't near what they should have been because I would get tired so fast. Yeah. Um, and now I shoot 52 pounds all day long. Um, 90% of my shots on animals are complete pass through the pass throughs at 50 pounds. No, no issues whatsoever. And whenever I do practice, you know, I, I can practice for longer periods of time, build right. up that one of my favorite drills to do. I, I love to shoot blind bell. Um, you know, you were talking about, you were talking about form. Um, and I, I'll set my blind bell up. And uh, I guess for anybody who doesn't know what blind bell is, I, I get about three, three, four yards off of a target that's basically set eye level. I draw, go through everything step by step, slow motion almost, close my eyes. I don't pay any attention to where I'm going to hit the target. And I go through my shot process, my follow through. And, uh, and I'll, I'll do that 15, 20 times just to make sure that my body's in tune. I, and I double check everything as I go through the entire, entire process of the shot. And then it, that seems to help me quite a bit. You know, sometimes I'll come out and I'll do my one shot, one kill. I, I'll shoot my target right over there. And uh, that's my one shot. And then I'll go through a, a drill session. Um, another drill that I like to do is I take a softball and I put it out there 20 yards and I'll draw and I'll hold for 15 to 20 seconds and try to hold my pin on, on that softball. Um, just to try to keep that float you were talking about you know your right. pin floats try to keep it a little bit tighter the tighter you can keep your float the more accurate you're going to be i think and uh, i don't even shoot it at that point I, I hold it for 15 20 seconds i let it down rest for <coughs> rest for a minute or so and do that again mm -hmm. four or five times just to just to build up that muscle memory and that strength and then whenever whenever i do shoot i seem to shoot a whole lot better groups whenever i go through that process right following days um if i try if i try to do if i try to go through those drills and then shoot target after that there i may miss the whole target <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah kind of kind of a little bit worn out at that time <laughs> a little tired you know whenever you go through that process but but i found that that really helps me and, and helps keep me focused while I'm doing it that way, whenever I do have, you know, if I got 140, 150 inch deer walks out in front of me, I don't have to think about the process of the draw of the, of the you know, my form or anything else because it's ingrained in me. And, and yeah. I, I can focus on the target, just like what you said earlier, you know, I try to focus on, on where I want to hit more than I focus on the pin and, uh, and, it's worked pretty good for me so far. You know, I, uh, not, I'm not bragging, but I've got, I think, six Pope and Young deer in there hanging on the wall. And uh, and I lose my mind whenever that deer walks out in front of me. I can't think of anything, you know. I, yeah. I, it, it's kind of yeah. funny. And thank goodness I do go through those practice sessions like that and work those drills because I don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, and there's... Uh... You know, one of the things when I was first learning back tension release, they had a shooting blind bales and then learning the technique. And then you open your eyes and then you lose the techniques. You close your eyes and take it finally open your eyes. You, you know, there's nothing. It just no, no, no spots on the AMAT. 
And, right. you know, once you get through that, and uh, one of the things I used to do is take one of them little one-inch uh, orange stickers, you mm-hmm. know, the little target centers, the one inch, and I'd stick those right in the center of my target, and I'd aim at that orange circle at 20 yards, and I'd go back 30 yards, 40 yards, still aiming at the same circle, you know, at, but that was when I could see them. Now, my eyes are old enough. I don't think I could see that spot at that orange circle at 40 yards. So <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't shoot it because I, I can't see it no more. But, uh, you know, that that's a technique that works pretty good, too, is is looking at, you know, a smaller target where you focus on not on the whole, you know, the single spot. You got all that blue area. You got a little white area in the middle where well, you're aiming it at the white area. You're going to hit it most time. Well, quit aiming at the white area, you know, take and make it a little smaller and one of the right. practice techniques that, um, you know, I, I don't use it, but you take your target and you cut out the whole, the, the white part of the outsource. You just have the round circle. And then, and then you hit that. And then you, you, you know, you take your five shots, you cut off one of the outer rings, take your five shots and you get smaller and smaller. So all you have is the X ring. And if you miss, you have to go back and start all over again. Right. You know, so so now that it just forces you to, okay, I can hit it. And one of the things I used to do with some people, I'd, I'd get them, I get them set up and it's like, uh, I just can't group or nothing. I take a one inch horizontal black line. I put on the target horizontally. Just a one inch black line. And I say, okay, shoot that line. I don't care where the line is you hit it. I want you to shoot that black line. And you know what? Most of the time they're going to hit that black line. Right. Because your mind will let you float sideways. And then, then I'll turn it so it's vertical instead of horizontal. We'll shoot that line. And they're hitting that line. It's like, okay, you can hit a one-inch wide horizontal line. You can hit a one-inch wide vertical line. You can hit a one-inch circle every time. Right. You know, that tra- trains them in the thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I can. You know, and, and then you... You can make a lacrosse here if you want. And so, okay, shoot the center of it. And, and so you go from there. And, you know, that's some of the things that, you know, you can use for practice techniques to, to, to get you going. It's also kind of a good way to, you know, make sure your bow is set up. Because if you're, you know, if your elevation is off, your horizontal will tell you. If your, your windage is off, the vertical line will tell you. Uh, one of the things that you can do if you're canting your bow a little bit, take that spot, shoot at your 20, 30, 40, 50 yard pins. That line of arrows should go straight up. Right. If they don't go straight up, that means you're canting your bow or your sight itself, the third axis is off. So it's actually cocked a little bit of an angle. Uh, most of your bows nowadays are going to be, and, and unless, unless you get a really cheap sight, the sights are going to be machined fairly well um, so that the tolerances, so they're going to be straight. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that on most of your, your equipment. Um, you know, so that's that's something that you can do to check to see how it's doing. Oh, for sure, for sure. And you know, I, I've done that a couple of times to for the for the mental aspects of it. You know, uh, whenever you start missing that dot that's on your target at twenty yards, and you put that tape up there, it kind of forces your brain to go back. Right. The simplicity—I don't want to say the simplicity of it. I, mean, I really don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but it forces your brain to go back to where it I, should be. Yeah, you, you can refocus you know, on it. But uh, 
you know, they, and there's a whole lot of mental aspects to it too. And in both aspects, archery and in bow hunting, you know, that, that I'm not the best at practicing. Sometimes, you know, you get in a hurry, life happens and you, you're like, I got to go practice and you run outside and you grab your bow and you're, you shoot three arrows and you're like, okay, I'm done for the day. <laughs> yeah. And well, it's getting dark. So, so you, you, you kind of rush through some things every once in a while. And that's typically when me personally, I have to go back to the things that I have to work on mentally to, right. To get back. And, and right now, you know, right now is key time. Our season opens up here in Texas, September 30th. And well, today's the 12th. Today's my birthday, by the way. Um, oh, happy so, birthday. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Um, we, we may have to do some of this interview on the road. I'm supposed to meet my wife here in a little bit to go out and eat. But, uh, but I kind of lost my train of thought there. Where, where <laughs> I was at. Well, but you uh, know, you're, you're talking about, you know, focusing, you know, if you're, if you're looking at your pins, what are you going to hit? Because you're focused yeah. on the pins. You, right. you don't care. You don't. Basically, if you're focused on the pins, you don't care where it goes because all you care is where the pin's at. So you focus on where you want the arrow to go, focus on only where you want the arrow to go, and put the pins over it. They're going to move. You're not going to – you're let the pins kind of blur a little bit. Well, for me, that's real easy because they're always (laughs) blurry for me now nowadays. But (laughs) You know, I I actually went and I had a a lens put in my peak so that I could vote so that I could see my pen better and uh totally messed me up totally messed me up because I started to focus on my pen and uh and I went back to the shop and I told I told my bow guy I said hey take that thing out of there I'd rather have a blurry pen and be able to see because I couldn't see my target clear right because the because of the lens and I said take this thing out of here because this got me all screwed up and it took me a couple weeks to get out of that yeah well, it, and it's like when it's getting kind of dusk and you have lighted pins, all you see is the pins. You can't see the target. I did right. that once. It's like, okay, I had, had a light on my pins. I turn it on, um, animal disappeared. I was like, I couldn't see past the pins because they're just so right. bright. And, right. you know, now I, I have fiber optic pins on there. So when they start glowing, it's not, if it's, if they're not glowing, it's not hunting time. If it's not glowing, right. it's done. The only problem right. is early season. You know, with the big canopies on the trees, yeah, they 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 glow later and it's not quicker. But yeah, yeah. Have have you ever used a string to uh, check your form? I have not. What you do is take a string that you can hook your release to, make a loop around your so it fits around your thumb, and make a loop that's the length of your draw length, so it feels just like your bow. So now you're going to be going through the whole process of pushing and firing your bow with the back tension release. That string should jump straight off your hand to your target. If it does not, your form is off. I will have to give that a try. That's something I, I can do in the living room on those long days. Whenever I have yeah. to work all day, I don't get to I don't get a chance to make it out and shoot. If it if it goes any other angle than exactly where your hand is pointing, because your hand I teach a, a real closed stance, and that hand should point straight to your target. So if I'm aiming at, you know, the thermostat on the wall, when I shoot, that hand should be pointing right at that target, you know, right, right at that spot. And if I have a string, it should go straight towards that target. If it doesn't, 
now your your force is at an angle to your bow. If it's at an angle to your bow, it's going to make your bow move one way or another. If you have an open stance, you know you move that front foot back a little bit. Now when that when that bow goes off, you're you're already open. So now what's happened is to see what's going on is hold your arm out to the side and, and have somebody push you just fine. Now move it in front of you and now try and push it forward. Now you're not you're not strong if you're pushing on the back of your hand, you're not very strong. So now you're right. using the weaker part of your muscles when it goes off. Watch somebody that does an open stance. When that bow goes off, there's a good chance that bow is going to go a little bit towards their back. Because the way sure. it goes, your, your, your force is not straight through your bow. Uh, just, just like when you're putting your loop on. The loop should be same distance above your knock and below your knock. If you're going to put a knock point on, you got to put one below it. Because right. you want that force to go straight through that. And, and if you take, um, take a pencil and put it on, uh, on the table, take your finger and push from the razor to the tip in a straight line, that pencil goes straight. Go mm -hmm. off just slightly off center. That, that pencil will turn right away. That's what your right. arrow is doing if you don't have that loop set right. Right. And it needs to be at 90 degrees to your string. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people, there are a lot of people, myself included in the past, whenever bow season sneaks up on you and uh, you grab your bow and you sneak out there and, and, and you don't take the time to take it and get it tuned. You don't take the time to get it checked. Um, I like to shoot through paper at least, at least two weeks before, before bow season opens. That way, if there is something wrong, I can, I can take it to my tech and and he can fix it up. I don't do any work on my bows at all. Um, so I, I, I'm a, I'm a meat cutter. I'm not a bow tech. Um, so <laughs> I, I and uh, and and I think there's a lot of people. And then that's when the discouraging thing sets in. You know, they get they get in the stand. They they have that buck of a lifetime or something that they really want to shoot. And uh, you know, they they release that arrow and because their bow's not tuned or because they didn't take the time to check things out, you know, they, they hit it six inches back or they punch it in the shoulder and, and it hits that big bone and, and they don't get any penetration. And, yeah. uh, then, then they've done that. <laughs> I, I did it on a 40 inch deer four four years ago. Um, I, and it, it was, I was, I was so confident this deer walks out. He's 22 yards. I ranged him. I wasn't even shaking. I, I mean, I was confident. I, I had that deer. For whatever reason, whenever I released, my bow arm came forward and I hit him right in that big bone in the shoulder. I got about an inch and a half of penetration and he survived, obviously. You know, I, I didn't get any. There was no vitals hit at all. Right. But I never, he never came back around during the daylight hours. And yeah. I, I guess. Oh, he's died of old age or somebody else shot him with a rifle, but, yeah. but you know, he, he's not, he's not at my house. I, I didn't, I didn't get to put him <laughs> on my plate or my wall. So, so, you know, it happens, but. Yeah, I, I did that with mine. It was probably about a 15 yard shot, 70 pounds. Um, hit that bone. We spent yeah. three hours walking through there and the one deer got up, run off and no, no blood trail, no nothing. And, it's the only thing I could have figured because 
I go through the shoulder blade all, you know, all the time, you know, I shoot right. the muzzies and they don't care about bones. You know, they right. just blast right through them. Right. Yep. I, I shoot muzzies. I shoot muzzies and RAD radical archery design broadheads. I shoot fixed blade broadheads. I have shot mechanical broadheads in the past. Um, just don't like them. You know, it's, it's a preference. They're, they're great broadheads. I'm not, I'm not knocking mechanicals. I just prefer, I prefer the penetration and everything else that I get off of a fixed blade broadhead. And, uh, and, you know, I've shot some, shot some pretty heavy game. You know, I, I shot a, I shot a Ram that was over 400 pounds three or four years ago. And, uh, shot it with a radical archery design broadhead fixed blade broadhead and like i said i shoot 52 pounds and it went through that animal and buried up in a tree that was behind it and uh i don't know it's just a preference thing i suppose yeah well the slower bows you can get the fixed blades to tune really well and you know when i when i tune my broadheads i'm expecting to get the x-ring with my broadheads right now when i'm tuning them up Field tips will not hit in the same spot on on, on my bow. And, and most of them don't. You know, your, your fixed blades, they're not going to fly like field tips, and I don't care because if I'm shooting that bow, I know they're not going to hit where, where I'm aiming with a field tip, but they hit dead on when I'm shooting broadheads. I have another bow right. I shoot field tips with. So, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't care if they don't hit. I care what they hit with the broadheads. And, and Absolutely. you know, and, and my first deer, I was 20 feet up in the tree and the trail was 40 yards away shooting the 52 pound bow. This was back when that was not very fast either, you know, back right. in the, the, the seventies and, and eighties, I think maybe early eighties or something. And, uh, I went, I went almost completely through that deer with 2117 arrow and 145 grain tip. <laughs> So yeah, you don't need a lot of you don't need a lot of weight. Just have a good shot. Yes, yes. And, and I'm huge on that. I'm gonna take you on the road with me if that's all right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive down the road and meet my wife for supper here in a little bit. Yeah, don't 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 Talk make her mad at too. you, right? <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but no, it, and that, that's another thing, you know, we, we've got archery so complicated and so many, you know, if you sit down and you watch a television show and, uh, and you see everything that they're telling you, you have to have in order to be a successful bow hunter. I don't know that I would have ever started bow hunting. Yeah. Well, you, you can look at what Fred Bear used. Blue jeans, plaid shirt, and a, and a recurve. <laughs> yeah, you don't need all the fancy camo. Absolutely. You just got to be stealthy. And I have all the camo and I have the, the scent control suits. And, you know, I use the shampoos. You know, any, any advantage, I'm going to take it. You know, if I can get an advantage, I'm going to use it. For sure. For sure. You know, hey. I do the scent control thing. Uh, actually, on now I have that was on it. Um, I always tell people I won't go out. Uh, but you know, yeah. and there's so many things. There's 
just so many different things that that are available. Yeah, you're 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 breaking up real bad again. I think you lost your signal. I'm sorry. Yeah, your video even froze. Oh, uh, oh, did it? Okay. Um, if you can hear me, I'm going to back out of the driveway. It'll take a couple of seconds, and then I should be right back on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, um, it, there's always interesting stories that you you hear, you know, but different things going on, and and you know, it's you know, practice technique is is the thing. You know, I, I've seen people's you know, post on, on some sites it's like, hey, uh, how, how's my shooting? And the answer would be, well, shoot, practice more. Well, if you practice <laughs> wrong, you'll get better at being wrong. <laughs> so you absolutely do, do some good, decent practice. And, you know, if you're not feeling like it, you know, don't shoot that day. You know, maybe next day you'll feel better and about yes. shooting. And yeah. That's huge to me. You know, you need to practice right. I stay on my daughter all the time. You know, she she's going to college. She doesn't get to shoot all the time. But when she comes home, you know, I I have to make sure that that she's she's going through her practice sessions right before I'll even right. let her go out. And she's pretty good on her on her own. So she she takes care of most of that stuff. If she's not if she's not in a three inch group, she's not going to go hunt. You know, oh, and yeah, she'll she'll blame herself, and and you know she she'll tell me I didn't I haven't got to practice any, so so I'm not going to take a chance on going out and wounding an animal, and uh, you know she she she's pretty mature now. Yeah, well, you know you you don't want to go out and you know not have the the skills to, you know, make a, a good shot. You know, last thing you want to do is is take a take a bad shot and. And we've all done it, you know. Oh yeah. If you've been hunting very long, you've made bad shots, you know, made the wrong decision, and sure. took a shot you knew you shouldn't have, and but you just kind of do it once. <laughs> you don't want to do it again. Yeah, yeah. And and you you know it's it's funny for for me too. You know we talked about concentration a little bit earlier, and uh, it's funny. Because if a buck comes out, a buck comes out that I want to shoot, the concentrations are so in tune with everything. So I always make a better shot on, on, a, on a good buck than I do a doe. I'll have a doe walk out, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot her. Do, 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 you know, And I grab my bow, and I get in a hurry, and I don't, I don't have that level of concentration. And, uh, oh. and I have to force myself to to refocus and concentrate and kind of build build that shot up so that so that i know that i execute everything right even when i'm shooting a doe and uh you know again it falls back to that muscle memory kind of thing and then that confidence right. but yeah you know get that that muscle memory so that you're not thinking about what you're doing you're just just doing it and um, you know, we, we do that in martial arts as well. You, you practice the technique until it just, it's a reaction. You don't have to think through the whole process. And same thing with archery. You know, you go through, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, you have the process. I go through this process every time and then I don't have to think about it. If I've got to 
deer out in front of me, I go through the same process and, and go to my anchor point and, and pull through. And, and that's, that's the whole key is, is getting, getting a process down and, and staying with it. But that comes with, you know, time practicing and Absolutely. It's uh, it, uh, practice time. And I, I see people do it all the time. And, and I. Well, looks like we lost him here. He's, he's driving, so it's not surprising. Um, yeah, he connected back in. There you go. <laughs> we lost you for a little bit. You, you're muted. How about now? Yeah, now now we can hear you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got on the road. I have to go over a couple of hills where the where the reception is not so great. I should be golden from now on, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, when when you're driving or riding in a car, it's uh, uh one of those things that uh, it can get get tough because you don't never know what signals like. Yeah. Now. Uh, Usually know the dead spots, and I was telling my my sister's driving me, so I told her I said you got to hurry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that you know, it, what I was saying is the people and myself included at times in the past that don't shoot throughout the entire year, they grab their bow a couple of weeks before deer season, and they go out and they fling five arrows a day. Or even worse, they, they try to shoot 100 arrows a day and oh, they yeah. get tired, they get fatigued and, and they think that they're doing themselves or the animals that they're in pursuit of justice and it, it just doesn't do any good, you know. Uh, one of the guys that I work with, you know, he, he works on my bow and he's told me before, it's better to shoot one arrow a day for 100 days than it is to shoot 100 arrows in one day. And that, oh, that's yeah. an absolute truth right there. Well, you take that one arrow when that when that deer comes by, how many shots do you get? One. You get one unless you're lucky. <laughs> and you know, I have gotten a couple off, but it's because I shot them with the first one and they turn around one of the ways to stop and turn. You know, so I was able to get a second one off. But right. you know, generally you get one shot, make your one shot count. You know, if you're going to practice, don't have a lot of time, grab your bow. Like, like you said, that one shot is what counts. You get one shot and you're focused on, you got to hit that X one shot. If you don't hit it, well, you got to wait till tomorrow to try and hit it again. You know, right. you don't want to do, you don't want to do that, you know, all the time because you do need some practice in there to develop your technique and your skill and, and everything else. But, you know, that first shot has to count for everything. That's the money yeah. shot. Yeah. And hey, you know, we were talking about that earlier. Sometimes whenever I do my blind bell sessions, I'll shoot that one shot, see where I'm at, and then I'll work through blind bell or work through hold the hold the pin. That's what I always call it. I tried trying to hold the pin in that smaller area. Yeah. But it is that one shot because that's that's what you get. You know, you get I, somebody said one time, and I've never actually timed it, but what, from the time that you see a deer to the time that you release that arrow it's a matter of seconds and uh and to practice that is just as important i think but you also 
you also have to work on that muscle memory because if you don't have muscle memory, I'm telling you, it's gonna be a it's, it's gonna be a recipe for for not not getting to cook your venison. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know the the kind of difference between the amateur and the professional. The amateur practices until they can get it right. The professional practices until they can't get it wrong. Right. You know, so right. they've done it so much that it's just ingrained into them and, you know, do the same thing in, in, in all your, all sports are the same way. The more you do it, the better you get, you know, it's like the first, like the first time you shot a bow, you know, how good were you as opposed to now, you know? <laughs> right. For sure. You know, and, and I don't know, trying, trying to get people to understand that and, and to work through everything is sometimes it's pretty difficult. Sometimes it's hard to do. Yeah. Until, until they go out and they gut shoot that deer and they have a, they have an eight mile track job to try to get a follow-up shot on a deer that they wounded. You yeah. Know, then, then maybe they'll, then maybe they'll change their mindset a little bit, get their bow out a little bit earlier than two weeks before season starts. Yeah. We used to get a lot of that, you know, a couple of weeks before everybody's bringing their bow into the shop and they need arrows, they need new strings, they need all kinds of stuff. And, you know, last minute and, I was talking to one guy and he says, yeah, their, their shop rates increase the closer you get to hunting season. Yeah. They, they, they might charge, you know, like say $20 an hour during the summer, you know, it gets, you know, a month before it might be 30, you know, a couple of weeks before it might be 40, that week before it might be 50 or $60 an hour. You, you know, it's like, don't wait, <laughs> you, you know, and like okay. you know, when I thought about it, it's like you know that makes sense. You know, if they understand that the closer you wait to hunting season, it's going to cost you more, and you know right. what, uh, I might be too busy to get to it today. Yeah, you know, because if I have bows ahead of you, I'm working on them first. I'm not going to stop and take yours. Right, uh, I'm not stopping what I'm doing just for you. So right, yeah, for sure. And uh, and I. I, don't, I see I see it here, you know, I, I could walk into the bow shop that I frequent here right now and they will probably be out of new bows. There probably won't be one left on the shelf. We're two weeks out from deer season. And yeah. uh, I always I always wonder, you know, if, and there's guys, there's guys out there, you know, you said you shoot old bows. I shoot 10 year old, 20 year old bows. But there's guys out there who change every every year. But what is the actual percentage of that? And how many people are actually walking in buying their first bow ever two weeks before deer season starts, then going out and thinking that they should be successful? Right. And, uh, and what kind of taste does that give them for bow hunting when they go out and they're not successful? You know, that, that's why I give away shooting instruction with every, every bow I sold. You know, that way I, I knew they could shoot at least before they got out of the store, you know, they're going to get, you know, half hour, whatever it takes to get them going. And that way I, I know that at least they have the skills that they can learn. Um, and, and at least they're within the ball field. And, you know, I've taken people with six inch groups and, you know, spent less than an hour and now they got, you know, two, three inch groups or one inch groups. And that's, you know, that's, that's what you do. You know, you, you teach them to shoot better. You can, you know, that's my whole goal is my students. I want them to be able to outshoot me. 
Now, as older right. I get, the harder it is to see. Yeah, it gets easier and easier to do. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't take those hundred yard shots. I can't see the targets. <laughs> right. So, so do you primarily shoot compound, or do you shoot recurve, or any traditional um, bows? Mostly compound. Uh, when I go out bow fishing, I use my recurve. It, it's, it's for me. It's, it's a different mental aspect. A recurve. I see the target, I look at the target, I draw back, get anchor point and follow through. A compound, I gotta look for, I look for the pins, the anchor point. It takes me too long. I can't shoot quickly with a compound bow because it's a different weapon. And, and my my mind is different right. the way I pick it up. Just like if I pick up a handgun or a rifle or a crossbow, you know, or throwing a ball, it, it's all different sports. You do them differently. But, you know, that that's just me. Some people can do it. I I started out in the 60s shooting recurve, you know, instinctively shooting recurve. And you know what? If I wanted to, I could probably learn, but I don't want to. <laughs> I am actually thinking about, I've always shot compound bows, even when I go bow fishing, you know, they, they're all compound bows. But what you're saying makes sense because I'm a horrible bow fisherman. <laughs> but it's <laughs> the most fun that I ever have, you know. I never hit any fish, but it's a blast trying to. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but that that makes a whole lot of sense because it changes your mindset from a compound bow where I take the time to aim. You know, with traditional archery, you don't necessarily have that. You know, you don't get to aim, and uh, maybe it, maybe it would in tune me more with some of my instinctive shooting. Right. You know, for you don't have time to aim when you're shooting at a fish that's there and gone. Uh, where right. you know, if you're if you're shooting target. There's multiple methods of shooting targets. You can shoot, you know, instinctively. You can gap shoot. You can string walk. And, you know, the first time I string walker, it's like, what? You know, I'm thinking the, you know, skinwalker ranch. You know, I'm thinking, what's a skinwalker? You know, you know, what's a string walker? Right. You know, I'm thinking something else. And so finally, I actually interviewed a guy that does it, and it's like he explained it a little bit better. And I'd seen a guy doing it, and uh, it makes a lot of sense. But now you're judging how far down on the string. You know how far up you know you if you're up a certain distance you're down and then as you move your hand up it brings it up and um right you know and some use the tip and there's all kinds of different methods in it and i figure if i'm going to reference off the tip the arrow which is not going to be a consistent spot i'm just gonna put sights on it <laughs> right right yeah you know but now so so if you were to rank your 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 fun scale, so to speak, between bow fishing or bow hunting, which one would you pick? Oh, I I think I'd probably take bow hunting. You really? Know, just, I I do it much more, and and I don't get out bow fishing that often, but it is a lot of fun doing it. Get the old recurve out and fling at the fish. I remember one time I was going out, I was shooting at the carp, missing every one of them. A gar comes swinging by, which is about one inch timer. And I hit it. <laughs> like I'm missing these big fish, and I hit this little bitty one. <laughs> right, little bit skinny fish swimming across the water. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. You know, I, I've shot, I've shot the big shad, and you know, I, I shoot two or three of them in a row, and then a and then a 20 pound buff will come across, and I shoot, I shoot a foot over his back, and I, I don't <laughs> understand why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you never know. It's it's just. I don't do bow fishing enough to, you know, get any better at it because 
I just don't, you know, that I've been out a few times, but, you know. Right. Uh, the main reason I go is just, it's fun. You know, it's, there, there's yeah. no pressure. It's, you get out there and you get to cut up with a bunch of guys. You don't have to be quiet, be still. And, and the atmosphere is, is usually pretty good. And yeah. I don't know. I, I just have, I have so much fun when I go bow fishing and it gets me outside better than sitting on the couch watching TV. You know, oh, yeah. you can only watch so much Matlock. <laughs> watch Matlock. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you, you guys probably don't have the Asian carp down there. We've got them up here where you're going by and they start jumping in your boat and everything else. And, and yeah, that would be kind of fun to shoot. I've seen guys go out with shotguns and it, like, Okay, Paul, <laughs> just shooting him. <laughs> we actually had a buddy of mine, we actually had a trip books to go Asian carp bow fishing. Now I want to say it was probably three years ago, and then it was right around COVID. So when COVID hit, we had to cancel. Yeah. That kind of but messed it, up a lot, that of, is lot of people's that plans. I want to do. Yeah, oh, I think that would be go. kind of fun too. I, I know. I, I know so many people that had to cancel trips to Africa and 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 New Zealand because of COVID, and I, it's coming back now. You know, we're starting to get things back leveled out, and I think we got another round of COVID that's supposed to be coming around. I hope not, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, guess what's coming up? Elections. Yes. <laughs> yeah yeah so you get political you got that mail-in ballots <laughs> so they can stop them <laughs> well hopefully it doesn't come to that again you know but we'll just kind of have to see you know try yeah. to, I, I, I think I most know. people would just say you know what too bad i'm not going to comply that right now you know I, I honestly i hope so i hope that's the way the world goes um, it's it's so hard to tell. You know, you talk to different people, and and some of them are some of them are going to mask up no matter what. And there's other ones that are dead set against it. And then you got, you know, you got those like me. If if I don't wear a mask when I go to work, I don't work and I don't make any money. So you're kind of in a catch twenty two. What do you do? Right. And. Uh, I don't know, you know, cutting up deer, I don't have to wear a mask. So hopefully I can get to that point before, before sooner than later. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've retired, so I'm working now. So if they do that, it's like, okay, I, I'm going <laughs> right. to work because I want to, uh, you know, I don't have to work. So bye. <laughs> right. When that goes away, I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, Roy. I'll tell you what, I am fixing, we're fixing to pull into a restaurant and uh, I guess I'm going to go have some, go eat a birthday ribeye. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> and, and and down there in Texas, you guys know how to do ribeyes, don't you? <laughs> oh, that, that's our go-to. That, that is our go-to. You know, if, if, if I'm going to eat a steak, it's going to be a ribeye. If, if I'm going to eat some deer meat, it's going to be, it's going to be fried. <laughs> yeah well hey it's been great talking with you um i had a blast man i appreciate you inviting me on 
Yeah. What do you What do you have for parting thoughts before we get out of here? You know, one of the, one of the things, and I think you can tell I'm pretty passionate about getting people out in the woods and keeping people out in the woods. You know, and how do we do that? And you know, I hate to say it. You know, we kind of we kind of talked a little bit about the world. In our world now, we don't have as many father figures in the homes. And and one of the things that I think that is instrumental for us to do is to get more and more women involved in the outdoors and in the shooting and into the hunting hunting aspect of everything, because they're the ones that are raising up the kids now. And uh, yeah. I think the more women that we have in the outdoors, the better off we're going to be in the future. And uh, and even if even if it's up to us as as some of the men in the industry to get out and spend time with those kids, spend as much time with them as you can, and and, and get them out there, even if it's with a BB gun chasing chasing sparrows around, or trying to shoot a rabbit with a pellet gun, or or you know a bow or whatever it is. Let's do everything that we can to keep kids in the outdoors and get them off, get them off the games and out of, out of the living rooms and off the couches um, and, and, and really start promoting it to kids again, like it was to us when we, when we were growing yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's the thing. You just got to get out there. And I know Nebraska has what they call the women in the outdoors. It's a whole weekend you know, just, just for women, you know, teaching them archery, shooting guns, shooting shotguns, uh, kayaking. Um, I don't know what all they do. I go in and help them out on the archery part of it, but, um, you know, that's, that's just, just all, all ladies out there learning it and stuff being outside. And, and, you know, we, you know, in the archery part, we've had, you know, ladies there from, you know, 16, 17 to over 70, you know, shooting bows right. there. So, um, you know, all, all ages and all, all skills and, um, you know, they teach an open stance because if you do a close lens like I teach and you do it wrong, you will hit your arm. Right. So disadvantage the way I teach it is if you hit your arm, you're doing it wrong. So you're going to learn quick. So you don't do that with beginners that just there for you have them for what, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. And, and then right. so you don't have time to get real detailed with them. Right. You know, once in a while, somebody have their own equipment and then we'll, we'll work a little bit more with them. But there's, right. there's always right. two or three of us there. So, uh, and it's not normally a very big crowd, you know, but, you know, that's fun. And, well, you know, and being outside, you know, you know, and more than likely everyone that's watching this knows this is fun. You know, it, it's fun to get out there and it's fun to match wits with animals. And it's fun to hone your skills in so that you can hit that X every time. And, uh, and, there's just not enough, there's not enough of the youth that's coming up that ever gets the chance to experience it for whatever reason, whatever's happening in the world. You know, it's, it's just, I, I don't know, it's, it's sad. And I think it's up to us, the older generation, especially to get people to, to involve kids in the outdoors. Yeah, it is. And and it gets us out there as well. <laughs> right, right, for yeah. sure. You know, the more time I spend out there, the happier I am. Matter my wife is, but the happier I am. So. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, yeah, don't let her watch this then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'll probably skip this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great talking with you, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk later. And you know, for those that are watching this or listen to it, remember we can uh, catch it on Spotify and other podcast places, and also on Audible. You can listen to it free on Audible as well okay. as on my YouTube channel. You can go out to archertalk101.com and you have access to the, the videos there. And like right now, we're recording live in Archtalk 101 Facebook group. So you can always join there and watch all the episodes, episodes, episodes. Okay. <laughs> and, and get other knowledge in there. And it's a great group for, you know, helping people out. And uh, you don't have to worry about anybody trying to sell anything to you because we don't allow it in a group. It's all just helping you out. And, you know, that's... That, that's real for it. Just to help you out. If you have a question, you know, we'll answer it or somebody in the group will answer it. And, and there's people in there with all kinds of experiences and it's a lot of fun. Well, that sounds great, man. That's what it's all about. You know, um, not necessarily about trying to make a bunch of money, but sharing our experiences and, and helping people along the way, you know, and that's, that, that's, that's big to me. That's a big deal to me. And I appreciate everything that you're doing to help promote our sport. And and that's that's the fun part. I enjoy doing this. I wouldn't do it otherwise. Right. It's fun. I get to talk that's, archery. <laughs> hey, that, that, Sometimes that's talk archery day, instead right? of shooting. Yeah, it's always a good day. <laughs> always yeah. a good day. <laughs> yeah, sometimes talk about archery and I'll get a gun and go shoot. I, I need to get my <laughs> bow out and go do some shooting. <laughs> right? If I didn't have to get if I wasn't going for birthday dinner tonight, I'd already have my bow set up. <laughs> well after you get back for your birthday go shoot <laughs> well we'll see how much light there is <laughs> yeah uh, not quite as much fun shooting in the dark is it <laughs> well you know hey I didn't even talk about pig hunting any you know i i love to pig hunt um and i love to do it at night i use sniper hog lights i have one set up on my bow all the time screws in where your stabilizer screws in and and it's just a it's a blast and getting out there it's not quite so hot you know we're still 90 degree days 90 plus degrees days and here in texas and you get out there and it's dropping down into the 70s at night it's it's a whole lot more comfortable than sitting out there in the heat and you yeah. get to you get to you know you get a sounder of pigs that comes in sometimes you get off two or three shots you know it, it, depending on how goofy they are but you know it, it that's just a blast too yeah. Well, better let you go so you can get in and, and have some dinner and I'm going to go so I can have some of my dinner and we'll, we'll talk to you some other time then. Well, that sounds great, man. Anytime, anytime you want to reach out to me, if you ever come to Texas, give me a shout. We'll go, we'll go get on some critters. Yeah. What part of Texas are you in? Uh, I'm right in central Texas. Oh, okay. And live in a little town called Lampasas. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> A lot of little towns. There's 10 of us that live there, I think. If I come down there, I'll connect with you and we can we can go shoot some bows. That'll work for me, man. I'll tell you, we can get on pigs anytime. Yeah, they're kind of a nuisance sometimes, aren't they? Oh, they're so bad around here, you don't even have to plow to put in food plots. Oh, yeah, they just keep the ground all tore up. It's rooted up. 
They're, they're, they're bad. They're bad. Well, that, that's good for us. I want to go shoot them, but bad for the farmers and ranchers. <laughs> right. They, they want us to come shoot them. So, so we do need to control them a little bit better, but the government steps in the steps in the way again. Yeah. Yeah. They'll do that. Right. Well, all right, sir. Well, I'm going to sneak in here and grab me something to eat and, uh, and, like I said, give me a shout anytime. I'd love to talk to you again. All right. Will do. All right. All right. Nice talking to you. Uh, Have a great evening. Yeah, you too. My name is Rory Canterbury. I'm host today on Arch Talk 101, and we'll see you on the next one.